You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. Welcome to Before They Were Live, an ongoing and monthly conversation about the Disney animated canon. We're a little bit like those signal fires on the Great Wall, each conversation inspiring the next, playing our part in a healthy ecosystem between art and criticism and fandom. We will need discipline and strength to find out how these movies have shaped us and formed our imaginations. Hopefully along the way, we enrich the viewing experience and have some fun too. Today, we're getting down to business to discuss the 36th film in the canon, Mulan. Joining me, as always, he's swift as a coursing river, with all the strength of a great typhoon, all the strength of a raging fire, and mysterious as the dark side of the moon. It's Michael Farmer. Hello, Michael. That's me. How you doing, Josh? <laughs> great. <laughs> and uh, this month, we also have a special guest I'm happy to introduce. Um, she's worked with me in China, um, and... So she actually knows what she's talking about when it comes to China. Uh, I first met her over a dozen years ago, um, and uh, she was teaching Chinese at that time. But since then, she's done a bunch of other jobs, um, most recently helping train teachers. Um, but for me, she's just a hao pengyo, which uh, means a great friend, and I'm super glad to have her on the show. It's Judy Gua. Hi, Judy. Hi, Josh. Thank you guys for having me, hao pengyo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, you can you can tell me how my tones were on that. My my eldest daughter doesn't even like it when I try to talk Chinese anymore. She says my tones are so bad. So she says, please stop talking. <laughs> it's not bad as long as people can understand you. It's good enough. <laughs> yeah, well, I won't I won't attempt much more during this episode. So, but I think it will be fun for you if you um you know you can pop in and and let us know um any any inter- interesting insights. Actually, I was I was wondering. This is my first question for you, Judy. Is did you watch it in English or did you watch it in Mandarin to get ready for the show? I watched the English one because, yeah, maybe later I can share a little more about that. It to me, Mulan is the 1998 one. It's just a, a American movie. It sure. doesn't feel Chinese. The person is a Chinese one, so I watched it in English. Yeah. It feels more. <laughs> Doesn't Jackie Chan? Do the singing for the Chinese dub. Oh, I don't know about that one. I think that's. I think I read that because he was trained in Chinese opera, about which I know very little. But uh, apparently, he does maybe all the male singing for the the Chinese dub. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I know that he he does. Um, yeah, he's he he does. The voice, at least. I don't know if he does the singing, but probably he does. I think he also did the Beast and Beauty and the Beast. Is that right? I don't know. I, might have I, I hadn't that heard up. that, but that's. It. I, I had no idea he'd been trained in in Chinese opera. What a what a interesting person with a range of talents. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie Jack Chan started as a singer before he became a movie star. Yeah, I had I had no idea about that. That's crazy. Yeah. The um so I watched a little clip on the uh the the international movie department 
um, at Disney. It was like a bonus feature on the movie. And uh, so the, the the guy who heads that up would have been very sad to hear your comment just now, Judy, because he said like they try not to like when they are dubbing it into different languages, they try not to think of it as a American movie. They try and think of it as like if this was created actually from this culture, like what would it sound like and be like so. But I guess they didn't ex- succeed with this one. <laughs> But it did, it did. Uh, like the people when they when they talked, everybody, and even the song, um, maybe Jackie Chan, it did sound more Chinese. It, it's different than than other Disney movies. Mm. So there's some Chineseness, Chineseness in it. Yeah. Well, I I wonder if we should just um start at the at the beginning and kind of start working our way through um. The movie. So the movie opens with uh, an attack um, from like on the Great Wall, um, and we see the our our main villain for for just a moment, Shan Yu, um, as he's invading. Um, I really don't know anything about this time in in Chinese history, so I have no idea like how um, <laughs> how accurate or anything it, it is. But um, it's definitely a very like I, I guess I should say, but with the art before, like at the very beginning, it's kind of got that calligraphy looking, um, you know, watercolor on rice paper art that, that leads into that um, that great wall scene, which is I, I think is a really cool start to the movie on the art side. Yeah, to me, that sounds like one of the most Chinese art in the movie, in the whole thing. How would you describe that? Art, uh, Judy, because I, I have really no or very little experience with Chinese visual art. So I, I would love to know what exactly makes that Chinese. It looks like, um, I don't really know much about art, but it looks like um, water ink painting. One type of Chinese art, I guess. You use uh, water and ink and do calligraphy or painting mainly about uh, nature stuff like trees and black and white. There's a kind of brief return to that style toward the end where it's it's after the main action of the film when Mulan has returned to her house and is sitting under um, I was going to call them cherry blossoms, but I associate cherry blossoms with Japan, so I don't know if that's what they are. But it's it's like under a pink tree. That that also looked very much like what I associate with Chinese watercolor, which is, you know, again, not much because I don't know much. Yeah, I think those are cherry blossom trees, Michael. I think I think you're right on that one. Um, and then... Uh, and maybe Judy knows different, but I think that's right. Like we definitely celebrate like a cherry blossom festival in in China every year. So, um, lots of lots of beautiful uh, cherry blossom trees in Qingdao where I live. And um, <clears throat> but yeah, and, and then I was going to mention the other the other place where that art kind of comes in is, is in the uh, the song um, "A Girl Worth Fighting For." They kind of go to that uh, more traditional. Uh, art style for yeah, a little very, bit. Yeah, very song. stylized. Yeah. Did you notice other places with um, some of that Chinese art, Judy? I know in some of the backgrounds it, it, they kind of used uh, some of that same style too. Yeah, and the music 
uh, when Mulan was very sad uh, after he learned that his dad had to go to the army and she obviously didn't want him to go because he would die. And then the dad uh, got mad at her for for saying stuff. And then that music was, it was very Chinese. What is the instrument it used? It's like a, is it, is it a pan flute? I have no idea. I wish I did more research. Oh, that's it okay. Really sounded, <laughs> it sounded like Arhu to me. Because Arhu is like a very sad inf- instrument that creates sad music. Okay. But I'm uh, not sure. And that's a that's a wind instrument. It's a string string okay. one. Okay. We I think we're, we're I think we're thinking of two different moments uh, then because there, there's there's some part that uses some sort of flute that that I associate with with Chinese music. But again, I don't really know anything. So um, I'm I'm here to learn from from you guys since you have so much more experience with Chinese culture than I do. Yeah, I would hope an Arhu makes an appearance in this movie somewhere. I, you know, I'm not good at picking out instruments in in the in music in general. Like, so I don't know if there is one in there or not, but I, I hope there is because I that's definitely an instrument I associate with China now that I've lived there, but would never have heard of um, prior to living in China. So it's kind of a uh, it is a stringed instrument, and then it's it's just got two strings, right, Judy? Um, and a little yes. yeah, it's very very traditional. Um, yeah, so you brought up the relationship, uh, Judy, between uh, Mulan and her dad. Um, I don't know if we want to talk a little bit about that, since that is kind of the, the heart of this movie in a lot of ways is, you know, uh, Mulan is really um, trying to save her father um, more than she's trying to save China. She ends up saving China in the process, but she's really trying to save her father. Um which, you know, like the 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 part in the movie that I, I really enjoy this movie overall. But, you know, um, when she's talking to Mushu about it, Mushu says, um, you know, at least you risked your life to save somebody uh, that you love. I risked your life to save my own life or something like that, you know. And so it's pretty, pretty funny, the, the dueling dynamics and motivations there. But, um, yeah, what do you what do you guys think about uh, Mulan's relationship with her father? Yeah, I think the way she um, is willing to sacrifice her own life to save her father's life is is indeed very Chinese. Because, uh, you know, the, how do you say that? Honor your appearance. It's very Chinese to put your appearance, uh, like, over your country. <laughs> it sounds bad, mm-hmm. bad, but um, Chinese, like, to a Chinese family always come first. Uh, like, a Chinese is willing to do everything, even sometimes to uh, to twist the truth a little bit to save the face for the family. Mm-hmm. So it's very Chinese. And the kind of irony in in that scene in the in the movie is that by trying to honor him, she has actually dishonored him, which is the term he uses, right? Because he makes she makes him by volunteering. Not by volunteering in his place, but by trying to get them not to take him for the army, she makes him look weak. And so, I, I don't I don't know how accurate this is, but at least the the Western conception of Chinese culture is that it's very honor based and shame based, and and so this is a this is a major violation. It seems like that she has um, that, that she has made him look like he's not strong enough to go to war. Yeah, 
even though he's probably not. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's clearly not. He's walking with a with a cane, um, and you know when he takes out his uh, his sword to practice, um, you know he he can't even do the the practice moves without falling over. So. Um, yeah, he's, he's clearly not strong enough to go, but you're right, Michael. Like, I guess this is a little bit of that twisting the truth, um, that Judy was talking about. Like he has to appear strong enough to go, um, you know, in order to, um, you know, bring, I I mean, keep, keep honor in the family, I guess, not bring honor to the family. He's already brought honor. He's a veteran, but, um, keep honor in the family. Yeah. When I saw the dad, he really reminded me of my own dad. Very stubborn, cares caring a lot about the face rather than what's really good and not good for you and others in the family. Hmm. I don't that's in, that's the culture or that's just man. <laughs> <laughs> probably a little probably a little bit of both, but I was I'm glad you brought that up. I was wondering if you would if you were um like how the family dynamics seemed to you. Um, you know, because Obviously, they're trying to portray a, a, a more traditional Chinese family, but um, yeah, I wasn't sure how accurate it was, you know. Yeah, I think it's pretty accurate in that mm, children, let alone a girl, you're you're supposed to listen and obey and be quiet and never talk against your elder, in this case, your father, in front of the whole family, which is exactly what Mulan did. So it is very Chinese uh, because of what she did was against the culture, the tradition. But back then, she's not supposed to do that, not supposed to just speak uh, against her dad. That's probably what uh, set her apart as like she's different with other girls, obviously, uh, because she was brave enough to to speak against her father. Uh, even though it might make him uh, feel like he lost face or anything, and and she kind of um, she kind of gets around it, right? Because she she ends up protecting him while trying not to disgrace the family name. So she's still she's going to war in his place, but she's not telling him. And also, one of the goals in war uh, for her is to is to come back and and make the Fa family proud which of course she does yeah the um i think getting a <laughs> that's that, that's where her and um and mushu start to align a little bit on their motivations right like they both want a great honor for the family and so um yeah it's kind of funny this you know thinking through uh the plot of this movie how much actually <laughs> revol- like revolves around them you know being like um you know, Mushu gets uh, the cricket to type up that um, the the fake notice that they're that they're needed, but they really are needed because um, the army has been completely decimated, and they they wouldn't have known that had they not um, you know had had Mushu not not written that fake notice. <laughs> A very funny little charming part of the movie too, with the uh, the uh, the cricket jumping around and making the the typewriter key sound yeah that was cute um is either of you familiar with the source material for this movie the the i think it's called the song of fa mulan 
yeah, from what I read, it's uh, it's based on a folk song. It's called the Ballad of Mulan. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting from the story was based was based on um, in the period during three hundred ish to six hundred ish. Um, yeah, it's a it's a song. I remember learning it from in our textbook, our textbook when I was in elementary, I think. Um, yeah, it's a song. Uh, in the song, it says Mulan had had an older sister and a younger, either a younger sister or a younger brother. Uh, so, yeah, it's in the song. Uh, the the end of the in the end of the song it says Mulan came back. Yeah, there in the song there's a lot of the things were missing. Uh, obviously, there's no Mushi or cricket. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, something else was missing as well in the song. It was a short paragraph, just talked about Mulan. Um, his dad had to go to the army, and then she went in his place and disguised as a guy, as a man. And people didn't realize after he came, she came back, uh, she saved saved the country, was the the hero, and saved her dad as well. Brought honor to the family. What's missing? I feel like something was missing in the song. But anyway, yeah, well, it it is a very short song. Um, it's it's only a, I don't know. What do you think, Judy? Like a couple hundred characters, maybe, <laughs> or even that. Like it's it's really short, right? Yes, yeah, very short. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really talk about her exploits in in the in the war at all. It I, I mean, it says that um, you know generals die in a hundred battles or something. You know, but um, then Mulan saves China. Like, I mean, that's basically like, <laughs> as far as I remember it. You know, like, there's just really not much to the actual like what happens. But yeah, she's in the army for 12 years. She doesn't she doesn't reveal herself as um, as a man, as a woman uh, rather um, until she gets home. So she gets back to to her home and then uh, reveals that she's a woman and and all of her all of her comrades in war are shocked. Um, because uh, they had no idea the whole time, so that, that's that's quite different than the movie, obviously, where she gets discovered, um, and so there's there's that tension in the movie. The, the adaptation of that song that I'm more familiar with is the Maxine Hong Kingston book, The Woman Warrior, which is a I, I call it a book because it's not really clear whether you should call it a novel or a memoir or a book of folklore because it, it kind of blends all those genres. It's from the 70s and it, it talks about her growing up in uh, in 1940s San Francisco in, in Chinatown. And she uses the story of Fa Mulan to kind of uh, ground herself in her tradition while moving beyond it as well, the, the kind of plight of the first-generation American. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty pretty uh, typical in some ways of the, of, of the literary treatment of first-generation Americans. But uh, I actually knew that book before I knew this movie, um, not because uh, I was reading it when I was a kid, but because I didn't see this movie until a couple of years ago. Um, so when I when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, it's the woman warrior. And I, I guess there's a lot of other adaptations of that song as well. Um, it, it seems like from my outsider's perspective, like it's a fairly important uh 
a fairly important folk story in Chinese culture. Is that uh, is that accurate? Yeah, it's this song is pretty uh, popular in Chinese history, and then it it has people have turned it into popular song, uh, popular songs as well. One more modern, and then one uh, like Beijing opera style, but the the songs are both songs. They talk about like uh, Hua Mulan, how girls can be better than guys and stuff. Yeah, it's really popular. Judy, do you remember when you were in school and you were learning the song, like how you like felt about it, like as a you know as a girl? Um, but like as you said, like there's still this kind of cultural norm in China where where girls are, I don't I don't know, like just you know not not viewed as like they shouldn't speak as much or whatever. Like, did you did you relate with Mulan or like do do you remember at all like what you felt felt at that time? Yeah, back then when I learned it, um, we were we we just memorized it and we had to say it without looking at the textbook, recite it and everything. Uh, I don't remember thinking much about it, but later on, because um, the song is still it's in the culture, it's popular. Um, is adapted into different things. Mm, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Mulan is one of my favorite uh, favorite characters in movies as well. So she's very brave, um, even though she's not like not a song. Uh, the song would is one that carries on the family blood that brings honor to the family. Like when you think about someone that brings honor to the family, that's expected to do that. It's the oldest son's job normally. Uh, but when they don't have a son, Mulan just, it feels like Mulan just take up that role uh, to, to be that quote, quote, oldest son. Uh, I'm the oldest in my family as well, a girl. And then after me, my, my parents wanted like, they, they wish they had a song, but it's my younger sister. And then they tried really hard to have a song. So eventually they had a song. So I totally, I totally understand what Mulan felt. If I were Mulan in her shoes, uh, having to have her dad go through what the dad was going to go through, I would, I, I see myself doing the same thing. So, yeah, I, I really like the story. Um there are a lot of things girls can do, uh, even though, like, uh, society tells you that guys are are stronger or are better. Girls are not, like, as good or something. But it's a good story. You mentioned that you memorized it. That, that brought up another, like, point to me on the, uh, uh, just within the movie, you know, in the uh, when we first meet Mulan, she's trying to, uh, she's trying to memorize the final admonition um, <laughs> in order to prove herself to the matchmaker. And so, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, memorization of things in Chinese culture, I feel like, especially compared to um, us in the West. We don't we don't seem to highlight it as much, although at that time, maybe we would have, you know, uh, back back at the, at the time that this movie is taking place. But definitely modern modern day kids, I feel like, aren't expected to memorize things as much as as uh, modern day Chinese kids are. I would say American kids probably didn't have to memorize much at the time this movie's taking place, Josh, since it's uh, about 200 AD. Uh, that's true. I just meant 
yeah, Western civilization in general. But yeah, good, good, good point, Michael. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point, Josh. Uh, what you said about Mulan memorizing stuff and uh, making small notes for herself on her arm and stuff. Yeah. Uh, although the memorizing part is very Chinese, the write notes on her writing notes on her arm part is really Western. I've never seen a Chinese person doing that. I've learned it from the Westerners. Yeah, yeah, that's that seems like something there as a as a kind of uh, as a kind of joke for Americans. And of course, it leads to a lot of hilarity as the the wet ink ends up all over the matchmaker's face, and so it's a it's I I, I found the the humor in this movie to be really like like we've talked in the the last um, couple episodes, I think, Michael, about um, you know tonal shifts and not quite being able to nail it. I feel like this movie, even though there there are some very sharp turns in tone. Um, the specific one I'm, I'm thinking of is at the end of uh, a girl worth fighting for, and then they they come upon the uh, the, the entirely burned out village. Yeah, it's a very well, quick turn, but I feel like they pulled it off here um, pretty well. Like I, I really enjoy the humor in this movie. Um, do you guys have thoughts on that? Yeah, there's this story is um, to me it's a at different points, it's very sad. Like mm-hmm. when Mulan was crying in the storm, uh, it's very sad. And then after a few minutes, like comes this mushy person, uh, this dragon. Uh, so hilarious. It's just very different. Yeah, I, I mean this, this like the last few. I guess, I guess everything since Pocahontas, except for Hercules, really has to deal with the fact that the the source material is much more serious than the typical Disney film is. And so they have to, they have to kind of Disneyfy it to keep it from being, uh, well, inappropriate for children maybe, or, or just kind of a bummer, you know, cause, cause it, this is dealing with some heavy stuff. And I, I agree with you, Josh, that, that, that turn at the end of a girl worth fighting for, where they don't even finish the song. They, they, they don't sing the last word because they come across this burned out village, which is played, you know, utterly seriously, that everybody in this village is dead, that children have been murdered, that um, nothing that this enormous uh, Han army could do uh, could, could stop the Huns from, from killing them all like that. That's played so seriously. And I I think the movie does manage to, um, to get the humor in there without undermining the darker scenes. And the, the other place you see it is when Mushu accidentally sets off the fireworks in the uh, in the cart, and and there's that great shot of him uh, blaming Cricky, and then uh, it, tur- it turns out that this gives away their position, and it, I mean it turns very serious very quickly um, when the when the Huns start firing arrows at them. So uh, yeah, I, I think that balance is done very well here. Yeah, you mentioned that they don't even finish the, that last word in the song. I wonder if that's part of like what makes it it work. You know, is that you like they're the um they're also going through that shock of the tonal shift at the same time. You know, the characters in the movie are, and so like you're joining them on that. Like they're you know they're just 
you know, dreary marching and trying to lighten themselves up and that not not knowing what they're about to come upon and then they come upon it. So maybe that's part of what's what saves it. Um, yeah. Do you guys have other thoughts about Mushu and Cricky? They're kind of the uh, the comedic uh, heart of the movie. I don't like Mushu. It will surprise you <laughs> to learn. I'm, I'm, I'm usually pretty against the the kind of wacky animal sidekicks in these movies, especially the ones that talk. So I I, I definitely think the movie would have been better if Mulan didn't have um, didn't have animal sidekicks. Mulan or uh, Mushu actively annoys me. Uh, Cricky just seems to me to be unnecessary. Um, he doesn't really annoy me. But I, I don't I don't know that he needed to be in the movie. Uh, if obviously if Mushu wasn't there, they would have to rewrite this and and give her some sort of other uh, comic relief character. You said you liked uh, Mushu though, Judy. Yeah, I he's he's funny. I like funny, <laughs> but I think uh, like you guys said. Uh, Mushi Mushi really takes away some of the darkness in the movie. Like the when it's supposed to be serious, like people are really uh, like when when people are feeling sad, like we're feeling for Mulan. It's supposed to be serious. It's supposed to be lasting for a while, and then then comes Mushi destroying everything. So funny is good. I feel like sometimes he doesn't quite belong there. He he does seem to have popped in from another movie, uh, maybe just because he's played by Eddie Murphy, um, and so the the style of comedy doesn't really match the rest of the movie to me. He 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 does feel out of place, and I wonder why they went for Eddie Murphy instead of an Asian American actor. Uh, I don't have an answer for that other than you know they were trying to replicate the success of the of Robin Williams as the genie and Aladdin. This is another big celebrity stunt casting i think it's much less successful personally than uh robin williams yeah and also like at the very end when mulan uh fought against chang yi uh mulan was supposed to be the hero but like uh mushi had a big part in that like mushi seems to be that hero like based on the movie and him lighting the the rocket or whatever, uh, it's like taking uh, the spotlight away from Mulan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know much about the original song, but there's not a whole lot of uh, wacky humor in The Woman Warrior. <laughs> but again, it, it is a kids movie, so I know I know that you have to have that in there, um, and and. I, I agree that the movie would be very dark without the humor. I just wonder if it might have been better to give the humor to the human characters rather than um, inventing this uh, inventing this dragon. And I mean, you get a lot of humor from the other soldiers, the Harvey Firestein character and, and the other ones. Um, and, 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 you know, maybe they could have leaned into that a little bit more and got the humor there. Um, but I know that Mushu is uh, both popular and controversial. So on the one hand, I'm criticizing... A character that a lot of people do like, um, and on the other hand, I'm not, I don't know that I'm saying anything that hasn't been said a million times before against him. Yeah, I think that's a good idea to shift some of the Mushi funny, uh, 
fun in it, fun in it, is that a word, <laughs> into, into other people, like uh, char- human characters, uh, for example, the soldiers, and also Mulan's grandma. She seems to be a very funny person as well. Yes. Um, I like It's just sometimes it doesn't match. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I could agree with that. Yeah, the grandma is great. So the uh, when I saw the grandma, um, I was like, oh, this she reminds me a lot of the uh, the 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 grandmotherly gargoyle in um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, just yeah. in, at least in her character in her character design. And I was like, oh, that's a, the whole time I was watching the Hunchback of Notre Dame. I was like, oh, there is this this character reminds me of someone else in the Disney canon and I couldn't remember who and so then as soon as I turned Milan on I was like ah that's it so um but yeah she's she's pretty great she she has one of the best lines in the movie when uh when uh at the end when she says uh you know she brought home a sword she should have brought home a man (laughs) (laughs) that character is uh voiced by a, 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 a legend of animation and radio, June Foray, who's probably best known for playing Rocky from Rocky and Bullwinkle and Granny from Looney Tunes, like probably probably the most notable female voice actor ever, uh, and and certainly of her generation. So it's good to see her getting some late career work here. It's interesting that the three big um, comic relief characters, which would be the grandmother, Mushu, and um, and Yao, uh, are the three who are voiced by non-Asian actors. Because Harvey Firestein plays Yao, you know, the the uh, unmistakable voice of Harvey Firestein, <laughs> and it's, so that, that's interesting to me that when they when they were looking for comic relief they went to uh they went to white actors instead of asian actors maybe we asian are supposed to be serious all of the time (laughs) (laughs) even though i mean they have um i'm looking at the cast list getty watanabe plays ling and getty watanabe does a lot of comedy um in fact a lot of kind of stereotypical asian comedy he plays long duck dong in whichever um Whichever John Hughes movie that is, I can't remember if it's Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles. Um, so it, it's not like they didn't have uh, it's not like they didn't have Asian uh, actors who could who could do that. It's just for whatever reason that's the way they went. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. If anything. Well, what else? What else do we want to talk about in this movie? We haven't really. There's there's a lot lot that we can talk about. So um, I feel like I've I've been asking a lot of the questions. What else do you guys want to want to talk about? I'm really curious how Mulan was in the army for 12 years and nobody really realized or realized it's not a, he's not a man. And then the song, like, make a man out of you, uh, each one of you. <laughs> like, it's, it's, the song is good. I just, I, I found myself like thinking and even talking to myself like, can't you tell he's she's not a man how do you do that yeah the the sexual politics of this movie are are strange like that aren't they it's it's like maybe they it's it's almost like that song suggests that they don't notice 
because none of them in some sense are men when they get to the army that that this is something that has to be has to be inculcated in them rather than something that that is theirs by nature um yeah that's interesting it does strain credibility that in 12 years they don't notice they don't notice that she never takes her shirt off or you know that yeah, seems seems odd but you know it's a it's a folk tale so so the it doesn't have to be entirely realistic i suppose and we're not watching it for 12 years so maybe we don't notice quite as much as uh, as they should have yeah i feel like they do, they do a great job of uh, actually um like you said michael they kind of they kind of level the playing field like in the movie wise at least you know like they level the playing field with that be a man song like none of them can do anything and and yeah like you said the implication is none of them are men yet um and so she's becoming a man at the same time that they all are you know like it's 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 kind of funny and um you know and uh when Shang first comes out and, and takes his shirt off and, and shoots the arrow up there, and then Yao says, "I'll oh, get your arrow, pretty boy, and I'll do it with my shirt on." <laughs> you know, like it kind of, you, know, you know, provides cover for Mulan to keep her shirt on too. You know, so um, yeah, they, I, I feel like they do, they, they did it in a clever way in this movie. And then, of course, we have the reverse uh, at the end, right, where they all. Um, uh, cross-dress in the opposite direction to, to dress up as the concubines to get into the palace. Yes. You know, one thing that's interesting about that is that B.D. Wong plays Captain Lee Shang, and uh, B.D. Wong's first film role was in the movie M. Butterfly, which he, he also originated the part on Broadway. And M. Butterfly is about a, um, a man who... who uh, pretends to be a woman in the Chinese opera and, and enters into a relationship with this other man who does not know that he's not a woman, at least in theory. So I, I think casting B.D. Wong as this character who's one of the few men who does not cross-dress in that final in that final scene must be purposeful. They must be having having some fun with his uh, his reputation and history. B.D. Wong is probably best known um, to non-Broadway fans as uh, as the Doctor Wu in Jurassic Park. Well, he had he had a good couple years here then, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park is what was that ninety ninety seven or ninety eight also? Oh no, really? Was that early? Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Still, a good B.D. Wong enjoyed the 90s, I guess. That's true. <laughs> a I mean, couple real, really big hits. <laughs> and, I mean, it's interesting that these are the roles he's known for. He's good in this movie, um, but he's he's a great actor. And it's, um, you know, it's one of those cases where the things he's he's known for in popular audiences are not the things he's known for among um, kind of his original audience. I've never seen the... M. Butterfly movie, but I've heard he's he's really really excellent, and and what's a very very difficult role. Um, and he's he's good here as well. Though um, one funny thing is, you know, so M. Butterfly he sings. He's he's a member of the Chinese opera in M. Butterfly, but he doesn't do his own singing voice here. Instead, his singing voice is provided by the uber white uh, <laughs> uh, Donny Osmond of all people. 
Um, and, and the idea was that Donny Osmond singing sounds more like B.D. Wong speaking than B.D. Wong singing does. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. That is so, yeah. I mean, we've talked on the show a couple times before, I think, about, you know, the matching of voices and, and what an incredible, uh, I don't know, like I, I hats off to the casting people for, for being able to find a voice that sounds like another voice. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's kind of, kind of incredible, but that's, that's really funny. Um, in this case where it's, where he's, yeah, his, his own singing voice supposedly doesn't sound as much as his, as his talking voice. That's, that's pretty silly. The cast is really a, a who's who of Asian American actors. You have Ming Na Wen as Mulan. Um, people might know her from the, the show Agents of Shield. Uh, you have Getty Watanabe. You have Pat Morita plays the Emperor of China. Uh, Pat Morita from the um, from the Karate Kid, who is of course Japanese American, not Chinese. Uh, George Takei is the first ancestor. Uh, and it, it took me a minute to figure out who he, who was doing that voice because the the character animation looks so very different from George Takei. But um, that's who it was, and uh, yeah, so they went out of their way, I think, to get a lot of Asian American actors for this, which is you know Disney has not always done the best job of. Uh, in in Aladdin, there were very few Middle Eastern actors, if any. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, but for whatever reason, between then and 1998, between 1991 and 1998, they they decided that they wanted to um, they they wanted to employ actors who shared some of the background of the characters. And, you know, that seems good. That is interesting. You wonder what changed in the culture, um, in the American culture, I guess, between 1991 and 1998, that that became like a, a thing to do, you know. Um, and they'd already I, done I it a little there, bit with Pocahontas, um, because Pocahontas and several other characters in that movie are voiced by Native American actors. So, like, this this movie didn't pioneer that, but I think that it's much more true in this movie, which is, I don't know, 70-80% Asian-American actors. Um, yeah. I think having all these um, Asian-American voices does add a Chinese feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I at first I didn't know there are so many Asian American voices in the movie uh, I felt like the English is good English it's in standard English but there's something that's different yeah now I know it's the Asian American voices I think that's that's good although it does seem that about half of the actors are Japanese American instead of Chinese American Getty Watanabe and Pat Morita and um, George Takei are all Japanese, not Chinese. I don't know. I don't know how much of a difference that makes to anybody. I know there's a lot of controversy about... Uh, I mean, it, it seems like every six months there's some casting controversy, and, and the latest one is that uh, Gal Gadot is playing... She's Israeli, and she's playing Cleopatra, who is uh, Greek-Egyptian... And, and people are really upset about that. I don't I don't have a whole lot of energy about it, but um, it, it it's interesting that Mulan um, 
largely avoids that. Well, I think we should talk about a few more of the songs. We've we've kind of touched on them, um, so feel free to say more about any of them. But um, like we we talked a little bit about um, "I'll Make a Man Out of You," and we talked a little bit about um, the uh, uh, "A Girl Worth Fighting For." I really um, I, I really like the music in this movie personally. Like I, I think the songs are great. Um, I know that's not uh, you know some of the 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 big critics back in, in 98 when it came out so that it wasn't, it didn't have the, the memorable songs that you would expect from a Disney movie. But um, I disagree. I, I feel like I, I, I like all these songs. I even like true to your heart. Um, the, the Stevie wonder and 98 degrees um, <laughs> song that goes over the, the end, um, <laughs> which normally I would not like a song like that, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe Stevie wonder saves it for me. We were watching um, last night and Victoria um, made a special pitch for 98 degrees as a underappreciated boy band. Yeah. They, they didn't last long. I don't, well, maybe they did, but I feel, I feel like they weren't like in the, in the, in the cultural spotlight. Um, the way you would expect for for very long. Nick Lachey like, has, kind of... has remained popular since then, um, but I think probably less for his music than for his public persona. Yeah. So. But yeah, anyway. you're, you're right. It's it's unmistakably Stevie Wonder. Not even before he starts singing, you hear the the harmonica that he plays, and it's like, oh, that's Stevie Wonder playing that harmonica. Yeah. So. Yeah, what do you what do you guys think about the the music overall? Um, either how it works in the movie, or how it compares to other movies, or or anything, or whatever direction you want to go with it. I'm I'm with you, Josh. I think the songs, um, while you know, I, I didn't grow up with them. I, I think they're they're quite strong, and I I would say that Honor to Us All and I'll Make a Man Out of You in particular are both uh, both very good songs um, that that maybe don't get the credit uh, that they deserve for whatever reason. I mean, it, it, it seems obvious that this movie sees, finds Disney moving away from the musical model. Um, we're going to get Tarzan, uh, next and that's, that's a musical, but for a while we're not going to get any more musicals. Um, the, the formula must not be working for them as much anymore. There's only four songs in this movie. If you don't count, um, true to your heart, uh, which is not in the movie itself. Um, but I, I agree that the the ones we get are strong. Um, most of them are funny, right? Honor to us all. I'll make a man out of you and a girl worth fighting for. Are all comedic songs. It's and you just get that one I want song reflection where Mulan um, Mulan wants to get respect from her her family and her society. But that song is good too. I also like liked all the songs. Is uh, did the 1998 Mulan have the four ounces can move a thousand song or or is it in another movie? Um, I don't. I, watched... I don't think that's in this movie. I don't. I don't know that song, but I don't remember hearing it here. Oh, okay. I guess it's from another Mulan movie. Yeah, there there are sequels, and then there's the new live action one. I don't know if that's a musical or not. Well, there's also actually like there's there's some some uh, Chinese and, uh, Mulans also like that you know right. were, were produced in China. So yeah, yeah, you've got you've got a whole wealth of of different movies that you're drawing on, uh, Judy. That that Michael and I probably have not seen. Right, there's 
Chinese movie by Liu Yifei, but it's also in English. I, yeah, I watched the English one, and then by Chinese actors. Uh, like I probably heard this song from that one. Four ounces can move a thousand. It's from a Chinese idiom. It's funny uh, to to see your 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 idiom, your slang, and that's translated into a foreign language and turned into a song. Uh, I like the songs. It's it's interesting. That's interesting, yeah. But what it, it occurs to me that I'll make a man out of you is a is an English idiom, and I, I wonder how that got translated into the. One interesting thing about Milan, and I'm not sure if this is true of the other films from the Disney Renaissance, but the the soundtrack is completely re-recorded into other languages. Um, and and so I wonder I wonder if uh, if I'll make a man out of you got translated differently in some of those foreign language versions, just because it is so idiomatic. Oh, I did not know that it was an idiom. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it it's you, usually you would use it the way he's using it, uh, using it on the uh, on the male soldiers, which is you're a boy now, and I'm going to turn you into a man. Um, but in in the movie, of course, it has that second meaning, which is that she's a woman, and he's you know she she is pretending to be a man. Um, so I, I I don't know I don't know how you would translate that into another language if that idiom doesn't exist and i don't i don't have i don't have a sense of what languages it does exist in and i don't know judy do you, like, i don't know which ones are chinese and which ones are not like which ones are just made up for the movie um the the emperor says a couple of them like at the at the very beginning of the movie um when he's trying to conscript everyone into the army and the general says uh you know, I think my army can handle it. We don't need we don't need to to create a whole extra army. And he, and, uh, he says a single grain of rice um, can tip the scale. I don't know if that's actually a Chinese idiom or not. And then at the end, he he has the one um, he says, no matter how the wind howls, the mountain cannot bow to it. An incredibly good line. Yeah. So I I don't know are 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 either of those actual Chinese idioms, uh, Judy, or were there other idioms in the movie that you noticed? Um, yeah, I think the uh, the wind and the mountain one uh, sounds very very Chinese, <laughs> ancient Chinese. It's probably uh, an ancient saying. It sounded it sounded vaguely Confucian to me. I've read the Analects, and it I you know I don't know if it is actually from Confucius, but it certainly fits the the kind of uh, tone of Confucius. Yeah, it, it really sounds famous. Uh, familiar. I can't remember where it's from. It's it's really interesting to like there's this the sayings is it's sometimes the what they say the the way they said it um, it's not it's not authentic English. Sometimes it feels like um, there's some Chineseness in the in either the wording or the way they said it. It's it's very interesting. So you mentioned at the beginning that you've you've seen both the English one and the the Mandarin one, but did did you say you prefer the English one? Um, like it feels more right to you to watch watch this movie in English? Yes, it, it feels like yeah. I know it's a Chinese story, but it feels the English is I don't know I don't know why, but in, it's it feels right to to watch it in English. Uh, I think one reason is. Like, 
in Chinese culture and in Chinese movies, people don't really say, they don't verbalize their thoughts a lot. They don't normally do that. Like when, uh, for example, bringing honor to my family, like a father, you would not see a Chinese father say to the children, bring honor to the family. Like the most they would say is probably don't lose face. Don't try to lose face. Like they will not. There are a lot of things that's felt that's in, in your head uh, that's not really verbalized. So, yeah, very interesting. I wonder if that's because um, it, it's kind of understood in Chinese culture that that's a value, whereas in this movie that is for um, Western audiences first, it has to be verbalized because we don't really think about things in terms of bringing honor to people's family for the most part because we're so individualistic. I think that's probably the reason uh, like to have audiences from other cultures to understand what's, what's happening, what, what are the people feeling and thinking. Yeah, it's just interesting uh, to, to hear that because if, if a Chinese per- person sees what's happening, they see how the father is looking at the daughter and vice versa, they know what's happening in their, in their thoughts, in their head. But uh, I guess to Western audience, you, you need to make it more obvious. Do you think, Judy, that it overplays that? Do you, it, does it get the kind of family honor dynamic right, other than vocalizing it uh, more than a Chinese movie would? Mm, yeah, like it takes the Chinese-ness away by verbalizing it, by saying too much. You know, Chinese movie, if you watch very traditional ones, there's not a whole lot of communicating going on they do stuff like chinese traditional chinese people would like uh express their love their affections by doing stuff rather than saying stuff so it does take some of the chinese-ness away but i know it's it's also like for the international audience so they can understand what's happening in a chinese person's mind Oh, that, that brings to mind um, another idiom in the movie that actually I think it ties in with what you're saying here. Like um, the when when Mulan fails with the matchmaker and her dad comes out to comfort her, uh, he he doesn't directly comfort her. Um, instead, he looks at the, the flowers and he says, um, look, this one hasn't bloomed yet, but I bet when it does, it'll be the most beautiful of all. Um, and I I don't know, Judy, like, I'm I, you know, like I'm not. Chinese, but like something about that felt very Chinese to me, like the the way of smoothing a situation over in an indirect way rather than a very direct way. Like the direct way feels more Western to me, you know, like in a, in a if, if he was an American father, he would he wouldn't have, you know, looked at the tree. He would have said something to her. But like the Chinese father kind of goes around it. But but she gets the meaning and understands it. Do you, do you think that's right? Yeah, I think totally. That's totally right. Yeah, I guess that there's they are intending to make it more Chinese. Yeah, that's a good one. Is this movie popular in China? Uh, you mean the story of Mulan or this Disney movie? Um, this this particular movie. I guess so. 
it's it's hard to say what's what's popular because there's so many Chinese people. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, people sure. just watch movies, and I think it is it is it is popular. This is one of the first Disney attempts, I think, to appeal to the Chinese box office, which is is really important now to American um, American movie making. The uh, almost every big movie now has a scene that is designed particularly to appeal to the Chinese box office, which is you know that's something different than uh, that we we haven't seen before on this show. Uh, even the movies that were international weren't international the way this one is uh i think so it, it you know I, I was just interested to see if the the kind of marketing of it was successful i would say as far as like merchandise and things you see like like things that you would see around um i don't see a lot of mulan stuff or a lot of disney stuff in general outside of um stitch stitch is super popular in china i feel like um yeah it's oh, really man. interesting to me that i feel like there's stitch stuff everywhere in china what do you think judy like wh- who are the most popular disney characters in china as far as like what you would see and notice what going around what is stitch <laughs> what stitch is the, stitch is the stitch is that blue monster like uh, the little oh. blue monster. He's like, I don't know. I feel like I see him everywhere, like on ch- on shirts and on, uh, you know, uh, like there's there's bags and and uh, backpacks and hoodies and everything. I feel like I see him all over the place in China. I guess it's probably different generations. I'm just one of the older generations who didn't know what's popular now. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to Disney stuff, uh, some, I guess. Again, older generation. Um, what I think is popular is mainly some of the older uh, movies, like Snow White. Um, yeah, I don't know what's popular now. Uh, but other, other stuff, like Marvel, I know is very popular now with young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aladdin was really popular, and maybe still is. Mm. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Those are just some popular stories in China from the West. Yeah, it's in- it's interesting then that this this character who I I'm sure Disney thought well this is this is going to appeal to Chinese audiences you know didn't as much as some of the other movies. You also don't see a whole lot of Mulan stuff in the United States, I would say. Um, she's in that Disney princess line, even though she is not a princess. <laughs> but she's in she's in that marketing line. But I, I don't think her um, her stuff sells nearly as much as Ariel or Belle or Snow White or whoever. I think my niece, who is four years old, wants to dress up as Mulan. But she's already gone through Rapunzel and Moana and Jasmine and many many of the other ones. Yeah, in my own family, with with my daughters, she's not as popular as, as some of the others. But um, yeah, they really like. And I I wonder if that's it's if that's because there is there's not really a love story. I mean, there is, but it's 
it's way in the back yeah. seat. Um, the Mulan is obviously not traditionally feminine uh, for most of the movie because she's dressed up as a man. And I, I wonder, you know, the, so much of the Disney princess line is about little girls dressing up in pretty dresses and pretending to be upper class that I, I wonder if that's why the why Mulan hasn't taken off the way some of them have. And I mean, ditto Pocahontas, right? I mean, you almost never see any Pocahontas merchandise. Yeah, that's a good point. I think for my kids, too, it's there's a little bit of just familiarity with, you know, I mean, who knows why they like the movies that they like. But like with Rapunzel, for example, there's a there's a whole spinoff TV show um, that they like watching and, and enjoy. So, I mean, I, I've, I, I've never quizzed my kids on which what which Disney princess is their favorite. But <laughs> definitely, they've spent the most time with uh, with Rapunzel. And they didn't want to watch Mulan with me this week when I said I have to get ready to watch it for the podcast. They didn't want to watch it. So, <laughs> ouch! They have uh, almost nothing at the at the parks, at least the American theme parks. I, I imagine there there must be Mulan stuff in Shanghai and Hong Kong, um, but I, I can't I can't remember ever seeing anything Mulan. Not even in the China Pavilion at Epcot, although that's probably changing because of the live, the success of the live action version. Uh, so it, it, it seems like in some ways they don't really know what to do with Mulan or maybe it didn't make enough money at the box office for them to pump billions of dollars into advertising and, and merchandising. I don't know. It's interesting because it's, it's a, it's a good movie. Like it's, it's not my favorite, but um, I, I think it does some interesting things and the animation is really lovely and it's it's a it's a very different kind of movie than Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I agree. I really like this one. Actually, when I told my brother that this was the next one up on the podcast, he was like, "Oh yeah, that's probably in my top three. And he, he is so he's ten years younger than me. So this movie came out when when he was what like six, I guess. So definitely, it was more in mm-hmm. his childhood vein. Um, but yeah, he really. Uh, he said his top three were um, this one and Lion, Lion King's is number one, and then this one and, and Tarzan, um, which, yeah, which oh, makes sense, right? Like those are you know when when he was a kid, um, this one and Tarzan are back to back, but um, but yeah, I, I yeah, so I wouldn't put it in my top three necessarily, but I, I really I really do like this movie. I think it's a it's a lot of fun. Like I said, I like the songs. Uh, Mushu doesn't annoy me the way he annoyed you michael um and uh yeah i just i i enjoyed i enjoy the story um like you said the animation's uh good uh it's really good at some points and and just you know there's no there's no groaner points um at least that i noticed so um yeah overall i really like it yeah i like i think this is a good movie um mulan is um, among all the China, all the historical figures in in China, she's my favorite. I think a girl and uh, saved the family, saved the country. Uh, I remember us having a yeah, I was that we had a superhero day. I I was Mulan, so I really like the story and the movie as well. Uh, I think nowadays not many. Mulan is not very popular anymore. Maybe it has to do with uh, girls and women, women's social status being different now. 
now it's not. But yeah, that's yeah, it's not a problem anymore for girls to like. Girls and boys the same. Like we are all like we can all carry on the family blood. Now people know. People are not like like in ancient China. We think boys are better than girls. Uh, that problem is not as obvious at least anymore. So Mulan just became part of the history, I guess. Well, and I was I was going to comment that it 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 seems strange to me that that this would be such a popular folktale among such a patriarchal society for so long, you know, and and Woman Warrior makes that makes that case really strongly, I think. Um, that that book opens with uh, this aunt whom Kingston's family doesn't speak of committing suicide because she gets pregnant. Uh, so, so there's this weird tension between this society that devalues women in a lot of ways and this folktale where a woman is so powerful uh, and so strong. And, and I mean, what's interesting to me is that this movie gets released not into a super patriarchal society, but into a society that is at the outset of a big outburst of pop cultural feminism, you know, so like, Mulan is not a countercultural figure in America when this movie is released. She, she very much goes along with the kind of girl power feminism of the late 90s. Uh, so so it, that difference in context is interesting to me. Um, I don't know I don't know what broader point I would make about that, but um, I, I just something I'm pointing out. Well, do you guys have any? Um... Any, uh, I, I, I was looking in this movie. I was trying to, you know, I try and at least bring some sort of, uh, uh, Christian point, viewpoint into this movie, uh, or into, into our viewing, um, each month. But I, I was kind of struggling this month, which was surprising to me. One of the directors is actually, uh, he's, he's a Christian himself and he's gone on to form like a, a, a Christian, uh, like, uh, cartoon and, you know, animation studio that, that, strictly makes like christian films but i didn't see a lot in this movie um that just like really jumped out to me um and i, I actually as, think that's in the movie's favor josh because i i think to try to import christian imagery or christian ideas into this um into this movie about uh about china i, I think there would be something kind of disrespectful now I, I don't know much about chinese religion but they've they've got the ancestor uh, worship here, and I, I think that was the right way to go, rather than importing a foreign religion into the into the movie. I don't know if you if you agree with that, Judy. Yeah, it's interesting how they brought out the ancestor spirit. Uh, yeah, the the yeah, it is worshiping ancestors. Ancestors still a thing in China now, uh, superstition. But mm, I think it's funny how they like the the ancestors they were funny people like they they were very silly like they were not serious or anything like they <laughs> the things they do the what what they said were really funny it's almost like uh i don't know they they're not like serious i don't know if that's that can be taken as uh they were not taken seriously mm -hmm. or i don't know 
Yeah, I would I would be interested in hearing what Confucians think about that. Um, I, I don't know how much Confucianism is still a, a live option for religion, but I I I would I would be interested to know what what uh, what what people who who subscribe to it think about the the kind of comic relief of the ancestors. Yeah. So the on one hand, the ancestors were funny, um, but when both Mulan and Mulan's father the burnt incense in front of their either the dragon or their ancestors, uh, and they prayed the prayers, like all those prayers were answered, and uh, they were really sincere when they did that. It's almost making people leading people to believe that oh, this is working. Like uh, you burn incense, like your your prayers are answered so i thought that's interesting as well hmm. yeah that's a great point it's not a they're not um you know all powerful or all present or anything like that like the the ancestors you kind of get the 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 feeling like they don't know what's what's happening um you know, until until Mulan comes back, the same as the family, you know, like they don't they don't know what's going to happen uh, with Mulan and if the family is going to be honored or not. So they're definitely not all knowing and all present, but they are they are a help. You know, <laughs> they do they do um, they do listen and they do answer. So that is that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, another funny part is uh, the answers the ancestors, they are supposed to be smart, right? Than, at least smarter than than Mushu, but they were not. Uh, Mushu was able to fool them at the beginning that he was the stone uh, dragon. So, yeah, that was funny as well, I thought. Yeah, they uh, they seemed ready to be fooled. <laughs> they didn't they didn't suspect anything. Well, there, there's a little bit too of the like conflicting beliefs or the compli- conflicting superstitions there because uh, you know the grandmother is like, what good are the ancestors gonna do? They're dead, you know. You need this cricket. <laughs> you know, the cricket is the thing that's actually gonna save you. And so, um, while while Mulan's father and Mulan both both uh, like you said, Judy, like they're both both very sincere in their belief. Um, the grandma isn't at all. Um, she's she's looking for for backup plans. <laughs> Yeah, very good point. Uh, another part I thought is uh, when Mulan was feeling very down after she was, uh, people realized that she's a girl and she was doubting herself. Uh, she was examining her heart. I thought that was uh, really special when she asked herself, talking with Mushi, uh, whether she originally wanted to save her dad or was it herself that she wants to, she wants to was it because she wanted to prove herself? So that heart examining was really, really special. Yeah, that's a great point. And it does make it, it brings a, it ties the, it, it, it just ties like that. I feel like that little moment that you're talking about when she's examining her heart and, um, uh, you know, Mushu comes out and admits that he's, he's, you know, he wasn't actually sent by the ancestors that he fooled them and the crickets <laughs> not lucky. And then, you know, uh, Mushu has a great comedic line of, you know, what are you a sheep to the, to the horse? But, um, yeah, I feel like that, that little moment in the movie is really, like you said, it's special and, and, um, 
and it does tie a lot of these threads together that we've been talking about where where Mulan, you know, she does genuinely care about her family, but she also has this, you know, she's, she, uh, you know, the the reflection song. She is searching for who she is and how she fits into this world. Um, and so it does uh, that. There's there's that little moment really brings a lot of the the elements of the movie together. It's kind of a kind of a hinge point in the movie, I would say. And in that sense, Josh, I think Mulan really serves as a precursor to Moana. Which we'll talk about years from now, but um, I, I think I think those two movies are really bound together by uh, by those themes. Yeah, and it's and it's just the the humanness theme too of just you know like, I mean I think we all you know at time question our own motivations and you know are are we you know we say we're doing this for this reason but you know are we fooling ourselves you know are we um, so so yeah you're right like there, there's certain movies that really bring out that element but there's also just that that you know there's you know there's there's art imitating life i guess you know like there, i think all of us in our lives have have those moments where we have to question and say like um am i being truthful with myself am i am i doing this for the reasons that i say i say i'm doing it all right well we've been talking for quite a while are there was there anything else you guys want to make sure that you say about this movie before we uh wrap it up I think we hit all my notes. Yeah, it's good. I enjoyed hearing your insights and perspectives about a Chinese story. It's interesting to see uh, to see it from a from Western perspectives. Thank you so much for coming yeah, well, on the show, uh, Judy. We really appreciate getting your perspective because I, I, you know, I know nothing about Chinese culture, and I know Josh is not. Uh, as comfortable as you are to talk, talking about it. So thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I had fun. Yeah, Judy, it was great to have you on here. Um, thanks. Thanks. And I hope, I hope that we see each other in real life soon. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we can't wait to have you back. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, our press liaison is Kristen Philippic, and we are on the old interwebs at beforetheywere.live and also christianhumanist.org. Please help us continue this conversation by reaching out to us at before they were live at gmail.com, um, or you can find Michael on Twitter at Quell Bummer. Uh, we want to encourage you to set your podcast player's dials to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, where you'll find an abundance of new and old shows to keep you going. Uh, Michael and I know there are a great number of podcasts out there you could be spending your time on, so thank you for spending the time with us. Uh, so for Judy Guo and Michael Farmer, I'm Josh Altman-Chopper saying you you fight good. <laughs>